I mean, you were made, I, I'm going to preach a little bit today if that's all right. Is that all right? Can I preach today? I'm feeling saucy. I mean, I got a little juju in me. I mean, I, I have zero sleep and lots of Holy Ghost. I mean, things could get crazy today. You know, I mean, Mike's like, hey, Mike's like, you're here. I'm like, by faith. By faith, I'm here. I'm like, I can't miss the first Saturday of the year. We're launching out this thing. I got to be here. And, uh, and so I'm going to leave real fast when this is done, I promise. And, uh, but anyways, uh, I, I just believe God's asked us to overcome. And I tell you what, you can't overcome unless you're kind of courageous. And I say kind of as in meaning fully courageous. You know, I, I believe it's going to be a year when we literally are able to see victory in our lives in an unprecedented manner. I'm not using preachy words right now. I'm not going to give you any pom-pom, rah-rah. I'm here to prophesy to you a word from the Lord that this is literally going to be one of the most dynamic years of overcoming that we have ever experienced. Come on, somebody. I'm not in charge of your life. You're in charge of your life. But I'm telling you, something is available to partner with. I believe we are going to overcome at a level and at a pace this year. I'm more excited about this year and victory in this year than any year of my life. You guys, I started, I started getting trained in the prophetic when I was 10 years old. I've been hearing God's voice all my life. I've been in church all my life. I've, I've heard every annual theme you, message you can think of and imagine up, down, backside, through Genesis to Revelation. I've heard them all, and I've gotten excited and partnered with a lot of words seasonally. But I have to tell you, I've never been excited as I am right now with what's about to happen. Someone look at your neighbor and say, are you ready to overcome? I mean, there's, there, there's just something powerful that's happening. And, and so one of the interesting things about overcoming is that when big moments of overcoming happen, it means that big things got overcome. I said big things got overcome. Look at your neighbor and say, big And that's the interesting part about this word that I got for you, <laughs> is that it's big things are going to get overcome. That's where the courage part's coming in. You see, I believe God's getting us positioned to overcome at a level like we've never overcome before, uh, because we're going to have courage like we've never had before to actually see the victories happen that we've been waiting a long time to see. And so... Let's just, go, let's, let's just read, and, and, and I'll continue. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. I think we might have some slides along here. We do. I'll, we'll read along here. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Look at your neighbor and say, he's dead. He's, he's a dead guy. All right. Now, therefore, arise. Someone say, Arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. By the way, this prophetic word right there in verse 4 is about five times the size of current Israel, just so you know. 
And it says, it goes on, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Let's go back to verse 6 real quick. Be strong and courageous, for God shall cause this people to inherit Is that what it says? Be strong and courageous for you. Look at your neighbor and just give a pointy little finger. Just do it. Don't don't point too far. You shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. All right, verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded to you. Do not return, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then God will make your way prosperous. Someone say, you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Verse 9. I have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 10. It says, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people... Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land and the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Verse 12, and to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers and as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. Someone say, possess it. And they answered, Joshua, all that you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. And just as, uh, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Last verse. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. I have three things for you today that I want to get into about clarity. I believe God's giving clarity in three significant areas. Um, actually, I believe there's three areas um, why you need clarity. All right, we're going to stay on the why today. Why do I need clarity? And I believe it's because we need to. O- we're going to overcome in three significant areas. Those three significant areas are in revisitation, appointment, and risky strategy. All right, that's revisitation, appointment, and risky strategy. I'm going to spend some time today on these three. Um, I I actually have a lot to say about this revisitation thing. We'll see how time goes. I may just stay there um, but uh, hit the rest of the two the, the coming weeks. But I believe that God is bringing us into moments of revisitation. 
And when I say revisitation, you know, we just said, I'm not going back, didn't we? And everyone's like, well, Drew, now you're talking about revisitation. We're going back. <laughs> no, that's not what we're saying here. We're saying that we're going we're gonna to go do the thing that we didn't do in the past to get into the new season. Come on, somebody. You know, there's, there's an appointment that God has over us that is connected to the authority that God's given you to do the thing that he's asked you to do. You are anointed to do specific things. You are called to do specific things. And I tell you what, we are needing an encounter of clarity to know how to revisit the things that God's wanting to revisit. Carrie just said it. She has no clue what I'm going to say today. But she said, I believe we're about to revisit some dead things. Yep. Come on. Hey, we're not going back to the wilderness. I'm not saying we're going to go revisit the wilderness. We're going to go revisit the promise that God said we're called to Canaan land and to possess it. Come on, somebody. I said we need clarity so that we can begin to understand who we are, the anointing that we carry, and the calling that's on our lives, and the authority that's there because of it to go do the thing that God's asked us to do. And number three, risky strategy. Um, Should we come and go? We'll get into this, but essentially Moses asked the Lord. He said, Lord, who who shall you appoint to take my place and, uh, and, and basically Moses having this big conversation, and he says, Lord, all that I ask is that they would come and go with the people. And this idea of coming in and going out with the people was, a, was a, an idea of war. It was an idea that this would be a man who would be able to go out with the people, conquer, go out of the stronghold, and then return. How many know that it's a little bit risky for the king to leave the stronghold? That's a risky strategy. I mean, you gotta have, you got to have some, you know, some good old-fashioned cojones to do that, if you know what I mean. I mean, for the king to, to leave his wealth, for the king to leave his security, for the king to leave his throne and to risk his life and to go out with the people, how many of that was a risky strategy? And so, but I think it's important for us to have clarity right now to know what the strategy of the Lord is and what it's not. Can I get a big amen on that? And so I believe that we've gone through some interesting situations where we could easily... Take the, the wisdom of God and, and add a little bit of fear and all of a sudden come up with some conclusions that we think are wisdom but actually are fear. And so I really believe God's going to bring some, uh, some overcoming to us. That we're going to overcome some fear and realize that there's something available for us when we begin to take on our Joshua identity. I believe there's a Joshua awakening happening in our hearts right now. All right, and, and at different times and different seasons, I feel like God elevates a theme for me through a person, a biblical profile, if you will. And so we're going to spend quite a bit of time here on Joshua, who he was, and, uh, and how God, you know, brought him in to do what he's coming to do. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready to overcome? And so what do we need, what do we need clarity for? What do, we need, what do we need this clarity for? When we begin to talk about clarity, it's really... You know, there's a couple of areas that we really, uh, that we understand uh, is, is, is available through clarity. And it's, it's that we're able to focus. We realize that we're able to, things that are blurry become, are, are able to, to come, become focused for us. A clarity means that uh, all of a sudden we have a knowing, we have an understanding. It's like when you see an equation and all of a sudden it makes sense, I gained clarity. Clarity comes from a missing piece being added to something. Clarity comes when I have a bunch of pieces and all of a sudden they come into alignment. There's a clarity encounter that God's wanting to bring over us. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on this probably at the end of this series. But the Lord spoke.
spoke to me that the year 2020 was setting up the whole entire world for an encounter of clarity. And that we're going to spend the whole year, 2019, getting in position to see like we've never seen before. Because there's a wave that's coming. I tell you what, I'm excited about this year because we're going to feel, we're going to feel the heat and the warmth and, and the, the, the knowing, the internal understanding, the unseen place is going to come alive in 2019 like we've never seen before. And I tell you what, it's setting up something in 2020 that's going to blow our minds away. Like, you, 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 can't, you can't love Jesus and not take signs seriously, everybody. How many times has the world ever experienced the year 2020? I mean, in 2020 BCE, I don't know that they tracked the years that way. I don't know that that calendar was available then. Come on. I said the whole world is going to be writing 2020 every day of their lives. For 365 days. They are going to be making a declaration of clarity. The whole world's going to do this. In unison. In one moment. In one season. Clarity is about to visit us. And I feel like as prophetic people. God doesn't do anything unless he first reveals it to the prophets. And I feel like as a prophetic house. With a prophetic voice. That it's important for us to begin to sound the, the clar release a clarion sound that says, hey, you're about to see something. You might want to get in position. Come on, somebody. I said, the windows of heaven are about to open. You might want to get out some buckets. <laughs> Come on. I tell you what, if, if, if you're thirsty and you find a well, you're not going to walk very far away from that well. You're going to pitch your tent next to that well. You're going to raise your family next to that well because when you're thirsty, you stay close to the source. I tell you what, there's something that's about to happen that's coming into this region. There's, I mean, you guys, I am so impregnated with expectation of what God wants to do in this area like never before. I've never had a heart and a, I've never felt the weight of God's intention towards our region like I feel it right now. Like never in my life, I tell you what, if you know me, if you've been a Gen 1, you know I love Detroit. You know I love this area. I mean, I, I left my family in 2004 to come back to Michigan. I felt I'm supposed to be here. I mean, my wife and I were all in on this area. I've tried to live in Detroit. I just can't afford the private schools in Detroit. Anyways, um, I mean, it's like I, 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 I've walked over 100 pieces of real estate in Detroit, you guys. I mean, I, I've invested myself to want to understand the markets there. I mean, God, there's, there's, uh, there's so much there. And I just, but never have I felt it like I do right now. That God is about to pour something out in our area that is unprecedented. And, and, and there's something powerful, and I don't, I don't have time to get into this. Um, I, I, I need to do this later because I need to lay this foundation in my time today. But I tell you, I mean, you guys get ready. I mean, we're about to release some prophetic capacity through, through the next couple of weeks. I mean, we're about to awaken some things. We're going to open up some wells in the next couple of weeks. Something powerful is about to happen as we come into encounters of clarity. And uh, I'm just really excited about it. And, uh, but today I want to spend some time on, on, these, on these areas. And, and we'll probably just hit revisitation here. Um, how many know that um, Joshua went out with some spies, didn't he? 
We don't have time to read it all. But if you're a Christian, you've probably heard this story. You know, the, the, they were in the wilderness, and uh, Moses was leading the people out of Egypt. This is pretty early on in their journey. And then uh, they, they, they hear that, you know, the land has is, is got a lot of action in it. There's a land that God's promised to them. And, and so they need to go spy out the land and understand what's there. And so, um, excuse me, Aaron and, and Moses, they get together. They pull out 12 spies. They pull out the best of the best guys. And they say, hey, go spy out the land. If any of you know the, the story of, of, uh, of Rahab, the, the, the harlot, she housed the spies and almost lost her life. And she was critical in the, in the understanding of, of, of what was going to happen with, uh, with the victories in the cities they were going into. God used her. And, and so powerful things were happening um, as these spies ha- had gone out. But, you know, uh, you know er- early on, I mean, there wasn't a lot of faith in the information these spies were bringing back. There was no faith. I mean, the first time these guys go in, they come back. They don't know anybody. They don't know anything. They said, hey, there's giants in the land, and I don't think we can take these guys. How many of you know that's a bad report when people who are supposed to be valiant warriors go into the place of your possession and say, hey, just by the way, um, it's not possible. The word of the Lord is not possible. Now, we, now, exactly, hmm, wow, oh, wow. Now, we, we cringe at that idea of saying that the word of the Lord is not possible. Like, in, and in church, we feel good. Like, ha, ha, I mean, uh, who, ha, who would ever say that the word of the Lord is not possible? Who would ever say that? I can't imagine anyone ever saying that the word of the Lord is not possible. But how many know that sometimes the actions in our lives, the beliefs in our lives, look a lot more like we don't believe God's promise over us is possible than it does that we believe that it is possible? Come on, how many actions speak louder than words? You know, and, and so it's funny because in Christianity, sometimes if it gets, you know, when religion sets in, we can be people who talk about a lot of things but don't have fruit in our lives to back it up. We have the most hope-filled message of the world. And sometimes we're not that hope-filled. Come on, how many of sometimes our lives don't match the message? I've been there. I'm holding my hands up in the air. I've been there. I've had a hopeless perspective before. How many know that was an unbiblical perspective? Come on. And so God, God is, is creating this, this opportunity for us to begin to realize that the, the, the message that we believed 40 years ago, that God's inviting us to revisit that moment when we made that decision and say, hey, what about now? What about now? You see, I, I believe the Lord's asking us to revisit things where we didn't get our breakthrough. And one of the hardest things about revisiting things where you didn't get your breakthrough is that the enemy wants you to believe that the time when you go back to this place, that it's still going to be difficult. You're still going to be the same outcome. It's still going to have the same situation in your life. And you're going to walk away in a worse situation than what you are right now. So why risk it all? Because things are kind of stable. Come on, somebody. I really believe that this revisit, the Lord told me that you're, we're either going to, the Lord brought up to me this, this idea that has been in my heart for a while of it's time to reform or we'll only revisit. We either need to reform or we'll only revisit. And so in this revisitation, I believe that God's creating a chance for us to really bring in reformation into our lives. You know, some of you guys have gone through situations where 
you know, you, know uh, you had a situation with a family member and things didn't work out so great. And uh, you had a, you know, a miscommunication and seven years ago Christmas wasn't that fun. The year after, no one came to Christmas. The second year, we're still not talking about it. But, you know, the, the, the ones who still like each other kind of secretly got together. And then the third year, you know, there's, uh, there, there's a, a young person who, was, who, who didn't understand the situation before, had no clue about it. They decided to get really involved that year and invite the two people that are offended at one another over at the house at the same time. And they don't show up, but they got an invitation. And then by the fourth year, everyone accidentally kind of shows up for like 15 minutes at the same place at the same time. And, uh, you know, nothing gets broken, and we feel pretty good about it. And so by year five, we're like, I think I can do this. You know, we go do three years. And by the seventh year, we're just kind of back to business as usual, but we've actually not fixed the problem. And we're walking around like a bird with wings that are broken. Walking around. Living in a diluted or lower capacity than what's available for us to walk in. Come on, somebody. I say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, sometimes we walk around a little defeated because we're a little scared to go back and revisit the things that brought brokenness into our lives or to revisit the areas where we were hurt or to revisit the areas where we were a victim or to revisit the areas where we failed or revisit the areas where we were a little too arrogant. Come on, somebody. And I tell you what, the Lord's saying, son or daughter, this is the time when I'm going to help you overcome like you've never overcome before. It's time to go back to the places where, of, of your mistakes and to make them right. It's time to go back to the places where you were let down and to let forgiveness lead you. It's time to go back to the place of promise and to take that lie that the giants are too big and that the, the cities are too scary. We need to break that lie and accept the truth of what God said is possible. Come on, church. It's time to revisit. It's not about going back to the wilderness. It's about going back and shifting our thinking so that we can re-engage the capacity that God has for us. Revisitation. Isn't it interesting that Joshua had to wait for people to die before he could lead, ultimately become the leader and lead the children into the, into the promised land. The Bible says that a whole generation died. All, all those who doubted and were, and were in unbelief, disbelief, they had to die before they could go into the promised land. You see, there's some mindsets that need to die that we made in the wilderness. There's some agreements that we've made in our past that we need to go revisit and, and come into disagreement with the things that we had agreements with. Come on, somebody. I had a picture a few weeks ago about some unnecessary anchors in our lives. I believe it's time to, to cut the rope to the anchors that are holding us back from what it is. And so, you know, some of us, you know, have, have connections with just in unhealthy relationships, and we need to adjust those things. You know, some of us are doing things that even from a, a you know, from a purpose express standpoint, we know it's a limited version. It's a limited version, and you had, you've had other opportunities, and you said no to those opportunities because you were scared you're going to let somebody down. And uh, you, you, just, it was full of fear, the decision, you need to go back and revisit those moments. It's time to revisit. You know, Joshua had to revisit this moment where they said no. And he had to lead people into a place where they could go and take their, uh, take their possession. 
So I, I really believe that God is, is, is allowing us to, um, he wants to give us some things to, to strengthen our capacity uh, to know how to revisit. One of the challenging things about revisiting is that we already have conclusions inside of our head about what's going to happen. If you've been through a difficult situation, you know, there's a, there's a road map inside of your brain, inside of your heart about what outcomes happen when you, when, when you go back and you have that conversation with that person. You know, that, that one person in your family, they're scary. They just stomp all over everybody. They don't listen to anybody. They just say lots of words and try to create a big smoke screen to try to get you to shut down and then stop having the conversation. And then that's all. And then, boom, not, nothing happens. And you just look like an idiot because you can't scream loud enough. You don't want to scream that loud or whatever. The, the rules of engagement aren't fair. Right? You know, and, and so I, I really believe that, you know, when we realize that God's asking us to face a giant, that we need to begin to understand that it's not about our ability. Come on, David had to go kill a giant, didn't he? How many know that it wasn't about his ability? But he was fully trained. By the way, David was a trained assassin. Using one of the most difficult weapons of war in history up to date at that point. Do you know his skills would have been one of the highest sought after skills and military combat in his day. And his accuracy with a sling. I mean, how many, I mean, they didn't have long-range weapons at that point. Anyone who could have a long-range weapon had an advantage, right? And so for him to have, how many know that he had to have a little technical training to get that good with that sling? Come on, somebody. I mean, this is real. I mean, this was, he was a high, highly trained assassin by somebody at some point. Right? Someone had to give him the sling. Someone had to tell him what it was. It wasn't a common thing. Hey, look at this new invention they got. It's called a slingshot. What do you do with it? Cool stuff. Let me show you. How many of that took a little bit of practice, didn't it? And so here, here's David going out. He had to slay a giant, but he came in the name of the Lord. And, uh, and I feel like this word that God gave Joshua he said, hey, Moses, my servant is dead, but hey, I want you to know that I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. Moses is dead. You know, there's some of us in the room who need to let things in our past be fully dead. We need the stories of our past to be fully dead. We need the mentalities of our past to be fully dead. Come on, somebody. We need some old thoughts about who we thought we were five years ago. We need that to be fully dead. Come on, somebody. We need fear to be fully dead. We need false identities fully dead. Come on, we're ready to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. And we need to actually believe that when God says, I picked you, I appointed you, I prepared you, you're ready now that when God says it, that it's actually true. You know, but some of you know that the five-year-old, you know, the five years in the past version wasn't ready. And now you're wondering if you're ready now. God, am I allowed to be here at the table? Bill Vanderbush, when he was here, he was talking about this idea that, you know, there's a lot of CEOs who, who, uh, who, who really don't believe that they're, uh, they're, they're qualified to lead. And a lot of them deal with this internal struggle of fearing whether or not they'll be found out that they're fraudulent. 
you know, because they realize that what's going on is much bigger than them, and, uh, and there's a lot going on, and there's a large percentage of these people who are dealing with this internal struggle, like, what if they find out that I'm not as awesome as they think I am? Or what if they find out that I'm not as qualified as maybe they perceive that I am? What if they find out there's all these things, and, uh, and oftentimes, um, this is an, a tactic by the enemy, obviously, we can be in a position where we can, we can with, uh, uh, hold back from taking the risk necessary to overcome because we're scared of people finding out what our abilities really are. Come on, how many know that? It's, but it's not by power nor by might, but it's by His Spirit. Come on, someone say, by His Spirit. And so there's something available in the Spirit that we can begin to grab hold of in this moment of revisitation. I believe God's bringing clarity to us to realize that He has a promise over us that says, hey, be of good courage, be strong and of good courage because I'm always going to be with you. You know, there's something powerful about realizing that when your dad is around that everything's going to be okay. Come on, somebody. I said there's something great about knowing that your dad's there and that everything's going to be okay. You know, if maybe you didn't have a dad that was like that in your life, just think about that one person when they just show up. You know, I mean, it's like you might not relate with father, but man, when that person shows up, man, you just know that everything's going to be okay. I mean, that is, that's the experience of the father when he shows up and he's always present that we're able to know that everything's going to be okay. What I would like to propose to you in this moment of visitation, I'd like to give you seven core values for revisitation, all right? Seven core values to, to get your heart ready, to get your mind ready, so you can walk through this process and know that everything's going to be okay. The first thing I'd like to propose to you before I get to the core values is that when your father is around, that means you don't have to be in the, 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 the biggest person in the room. You know, when I'm in the room, my children get to be sons. They get to be children. It's funny, you know, my, my, my wife loves it when her mother comes over. Because I, I have a great mother-in-law. She's amazing. Patty is the best ever. And when Patty comes over, guess what happens? The house gets a little cleaner. The food just has that little extra sprinkle of something, goodness on it. Uh-huh. Laundry starts to get done. And a, and a maximized volume. Come on, somebody. I tell you, and my wife feels really, really good about being a daughter in those moments. Even though my wife is a mother, she likes being a daughter when mom's around. Come on, somebody. That'll preach. I said, when, when, when you're coming into your most defining moment, you are not alone. But there's someone that is with you that has been there before and has overcome the world. Can I get a big amen? I said, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And so what we need to realize is that first and foremost, we need to take on our identity of our sonship, knowing that it's not all on me, it's on him. All I got to do is show up and be willing, and God wants to do something for me that I can never do for myself. And so I want to hit these here real quick with you guys, and we'll wrap this up as an introduction but I, I just feel like that um, the Lord wants us to instigate a commitment towards core values of childlikeness. Core values of childlikeness. All right, I'm going to give you seven of these. And I think you committing your year and this time and this season to these seven things will begin to set you up to revisit 
with power, to revisit with confidence, to revisit with a supernatural capacity. Come on, somebody. How many we're looking to overcome? Can I get a big amen? And so I think there's some keys to overcoming. Number one is curiosity. Curiosity, all right? And, uh, and, and I, I think it's important for us to realize that those who are curious um, end up becoming people who can overcome rejection. You know, I, I have a, my little Liam, he's, you know, he's eight years old now. He's curious. We got, I got in the car yesterday. I picked him up to go to the hospital. And he said, he was asking me all these questions. He's curious, you know. Hey, Dad, how did this happen? And what, what, what did this go on? And, and uh, he wants to know all about the umbilical cord. He's enamored with the umbilical cord, you know. And he's like, Dad, does it stay there? Does it come off? What happens, you know? And then at, at the end of it all, he, he kind of softens his tone a little bit. And he's like, Dad? I'm like, yeah, Liam. He's like... Did you name him Andrew? And I was like, yep, we sure did. He said, Dad, you gave him your name? And I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. <laughs> and I was like, I was like yeah, we gave, we gave him my name. It's his middle name. So he's Callum Andrew. He's like, oh. He said, well, I... Dad, I really like your name. I was like, I was like, oh, so how do you feel about us giving that name to Callum? He goes, well, I think it's an awesome name, and I think he's really going to like it. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, well, Liam, I said, I said, you know, you have a really great name, and uh, and so he's like, well, well, Dad, I, I don't, I don't know that I have that good of a name. So we're having this conversation, right? So I was like, I was like, Liam, do, do you realize that, that your name is the most popular name in the world right now, three years in a row? It's the number, you guys, I mean, you guys might not know this, it's the number one boy's name in the world. For, it's like two or three years in a row. The number one name for boys is Liam. And uh, we were kind of on the, on the upswing on that. And uh, I was like, your name is the most famous name in the world right now. And he's like, it is? I'm like, yeah. I said, everybody wants to be called Liam right now. I mean, the whole world wants to be called Liam. Like, the, all these children, I said, I said, in a few years, son, you're going to know so many Liams, it's going to drive you crazy. He's like, Dad, I've never met a Liam before. I said, I know, it's because you're before your time. You're a leader for Liams. I was like, but something is about to happen, Liam, where you're going to let all the other Liams know how to do it. And he, and, and he was just like, Really? Oh my God, this is, I mean, you could see like it was profound for him to realize that his name had a significance to it. And all of a sudden, a moment of curiosity that could have led to some rejection all of a sudden became an encounter with a father that restored him and let him remain childlike in that moment. Come on, somebody. I mean, Romans, it tells us, I'm certain nothing can separate us from his love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor heavenly rules or powers, neither the present nor the future, neither the world above or below. There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I tell you what, you can be curious about everything because nothing's going to separate you. We can ask God really big questions. And I tell you what, he can handle the questions. And he wants to give us some pretty powerful answers. And so one of the first core values of revisitation that you would overcome is that you stay curious. You got to stay curious. If you're not curious, you won't long to understand. If you don't long to understand, you'll stay blind and you won't have clarity. Come on, somebody. 
If you're not curious, you'll have a conclusion already in your mind of what, what's about to happen. To be curious means I don't know what's about to happen. And how many know that when you revisit something that's been difficult and has had a difficult outcome or not so favorable outcome, that you got to stay curious with the Lord to say, God, what am I going to experience with you in this season that I didn't experience before? Come on, somebody. Someone say, stay curious. Next thing is excitement and, and celebration. You know, I, I tell you what, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of ri- rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. I tell you what, it's time to celebrate, church. It's time to get excited about the word of the Lord. It's time to say, hey, I'm about to overcome. Let's party. Dancing in the streets. No, I mean, you got to get excited about it. I mean, there were were some people that were excited about Detroit in 2010 when it was a wasteland downtown. And because they got excited, they're making billions of dollars and impacting a city where now everybody has hope for a city. How many of someone had to decide to dance in the streets before everybody else did? Come on, how many of those buildings in Detroit were at 30% occupancy before Dan Gilbert bought them? The whole main, the, from, the, from the people mover there at, uh, on Woodward, all the, way down to, uh, all the way down to Jefferson, that Woodward corridor right there. So beyond kind of Illich Row and the, and the park that's there, and then you, there's the people mover, then the first kind of big skyscrapers. That whole row down Woodward, 50% of those buildings are now owned by Dan Gilbert. 50% of them. And he got them for pennies. They were dilapidated. They were at 30% occupancy, and now they're at, they're at average 90% occupancy in these buildings. It's remarkable. This is old data as well. This was happening years ago. It was happening three years ago. In five years. Remarkable. Why? Because someone began to get excited and celebrate and decided to say, hey, I'm not going to be in competition with all these other people. I'm going to do something for the greater good of these people, for the greater good of the city of Detroit, and begin to believe in it in a way that was different than what other people were seeing it. How many know that that's a childlike behavior? I tell you what, my kids love to sing, and they love to dance, and they have a riot doing it. And they, I mean, we had a, we had a, a talent show at our friend's house, you know, on, uh, over, over the holiday, and the kids just loved it. They got up, and they all danced, they sang, they, they did skits, and did all this kind of stuff. And I tell you what, kids just love to have fun because they think something good's about to happen. And they love to celebrate what's going on. I tell you what, this breaks negativity and competition. And so I just release excitement and celebration over you. Number three, got to move fast. Faith is going to overcome anxiety. You know, I, there's just something powerful about believing in the unseen. There's something powerful about expecting good to come into your future. You know, there's something powerful about this. And I tell you what, you know, my kids don't need a lot of encouragement to believe. I mean, they just believe God's going to do stuff. They just believe, uh, what, uh, what, what, what happened the other day? Uh, man, I had a great moment. With, with, it was actually with Liam again. He's like, well, Dad, are, are they just going to pray for that? And, and then it will happen. And I was like, well, no, I, I don't know that they're Christians. That's not the normal thing that would happen, you know. But he just thinks everyone prays and everyone believes. Because it's easy to believe. There's something beautiful about about. Trusting that God wants to be really, really big for us. You know, how, how many of the anxiety is just faith in reverse? Anxiety is just faith in reverse. It's the expectation that something bad is about to happen. 
it's catastrophizing inside of our mind because something negative might have happened. And then we blow it up and expand it into this huge catastrophe, and then we dwell on it. Whatever is unlovely, think on these things. Whatever's of a bad report, think on these things. It's the opposite of faith. Come on, somebody. And so one of the ways that we, we begin to, that we can begin to interact with any, any of those moments is we can begin to say, God, what are you hopeful for? God, what does your word say that contradicts maybe how I feel right now? Can I get a big amen? And so, in, and so there's something powerful about a child who's just so willing to believe that God can be big and then everything can work out. Can I get a big amen on that? Number four is trust. I tell you what, I love the moment when my kids, they would jump off the edge of the pool and into my arms, and they just believe daddy's going to catch them. Come on, somebody. I tell you what, once again, you can't be a child unless you're willing to let God be a father. If you're not willing to let God be a father, you're going to have a tough road being childlike. You're going to have a tough road being soft. You're going to have a tough road to opening up your heart. You're going to have a tough road to taking risk. I tell you what, because you can't do it by yourself, you can only do it when you're a child. I said you can't do it by yourself, you can only do it when you're a child. The kingdom's for the children. I am a child of God. We sing it, and then Drew said you can't do it unless you're a child. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. You are a child of God. You realize this relationship doesn't work out unless you take on the role of child. And we're not talking about childishness. We're talking about childlikeness. There's a difference. One lacks wisdom, one's, one's full of wisdom. And so we, we, got, we got to move past that. And so um, how many know that the, I believe the greatest root of all sin is self-provision, all right? I believe the moment that I believe I can provide for myself outside of God is when, um, is when deception comes in. And when I self-provide is when I'm missing the mark. And, uh, and I think, James, we've hit that already a little bit, actually, in, in our last series. And so number five is wonder. Someone say wonder. And so in the wonder of God, there's just something, once again, so beautiful about believing that things can be larger than life. You know, uh, uh, we try to uh, duplicate on this on reality television shows. When people walk into their homes and they act like they just saw it for the first time. <gasps> oh, my God. And like, you know, they've already, that's like the third take of that part of the scene they've done. You know, and you can just tell they're like totally faking it. They've already seen the house. But they're, you know, it's like, I, I love when they're showing them an open concept. And then they're like, and, they're, and then they're in the living room. And they're like, now the kitchen. <gasps> it's like, no, it's an open concept. They've already seen it. You took down the walls. The moment they walked in, they already saw the kitchen. They're not surprised five minutes later. You know, but it's like we're trying to duplicate wonder. We're, try, we're trying. That, that's our best version of wonder. But we do love it, and, we, and, and we're enamored by the idea that we could have our minds be blown away. And so we try to create these moments where things that were, that were old and, and broken now become renewed. And <gasps> But I tell you what, when you're a child, everything is... <gasps> I, mean, I mean, you could just like... You know, for a, little, for a little guy, you know, you, you could just like wrap up a box with paper and have nothing in it. And they would get excited because the wonder's in the opening of the box. It's in the, the wrapping. I was like, oh, oh, Christmas, opening gifts. Oh, you know. 
Psalms 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. I'm telling you guys, if we're going to revisit some things, we got to let God be really, really big. And we got to get in a position that says, there's a surprise coming, and God's going to blow my mind away, and I can trust him. I can, I can stand here. I can, I can believe he wants to provide for me, and, uh, and I can believe something good. is there's, there's value here in this experience. I'm not just going to disregard it, but God, I'm going to allow you to do something for me that I could have never done for myself. Someone say wonder. Number six, we need to have a short memory. Being childlike requires us to have a short memory memory. Don't you love it how your kids just forget stuff all the time? You know, isn't it just amazing? You know, there's something beautiful about having a short memory. Though God, I believe God's put that in, into a child. You know, they, they, can, they can forget that they fell down five feet beforehand and then keep running in a dangerous area. You know, they're learning how to walk. I mean, they can, they can fall and then get right back up because there's a belief inside of them that they're just made to do what their parents are doing. They've got a short memory about falling on their knees. It's amazing. My, my little nephew's learning how to walk right now, Finn. And, uh, and so he took, you know, just a, you know, I don't know, probably six or seven steps the other day. And, uh, and we just, we just, Wah! you know, you go crazy, you celebrate with them. Wonder. And it overcomes shame. You know, Isaiah 54 says, fear not, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. For you, for you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. See, some of us in the room are revisiting situations that brought shame to our lives. And because we're not willing to forget the shame or let God come heal that place for us, if you will, we're unwilling to engage those situations so that we can overcome. Someone say short memory. <laughs> and the last thing I got for you is persistence. Dad, 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 hey dad, dad, dad! Come on. Maybe that was you. Maybe you're still encountering that at home. Maybe, you know, maybe your 30-year-old child's still doing that and it's like it's blowing your mind away. I mean, it's like, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, Dad, I need some money. I need some money. You got some money? Hey, hey, Mom, I need some money. Mom, you got some money? I need some money. I need 20 bucks. I need 20 bucks. You got 20 bucks for me? I'm going out my, you got 20, I need, some, I need some money. You know that I need some money. Please, 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 pretty please, 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 please. I love you. I promise I'll wash the dishes if you do this. Come on. Persistence. Children are so persistent. They have no awareness of what's going on around them. They just know there's something that I want and I'm not going to stop till I get it. Right? How many know that that's annoying when you're the parent, but it's beautiful when you're the child? Because what happens? Yes, you can have a cookie. Woo! I got that cookie. I got that 20 bucks. Come on. There's something beautiful about believing that when you ask, that you're going to receive. 
keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Some of you guys are going to be revisiting situations where maybe you didn't receive when you asked. And you need a core value of persistence to get instigated into your life, instituted in your life, so that you can continue to ask with a hopeful perspective that if you keep asking, you're going to see God do something for you that you could never do for yourself. Come on, somebody. You see, the children of Israel needed a new leader to take them into the promised land. And I believe that that new leader had a childlike disposition who was able to come in with a fresh perspective, letting go of the the weight of the wilderness and the striking of the rock and, I mean, all the chaos that came with navigating, you know, a million people through the wilderness for 40 years. And I think God's bringing us into a situation where in the past we might have been Moses, but in this rejuvenation, in this moment of revival, if you will, that we would begin to allow ourselves to encounter revival in the revisitation. Come on, somebody. There's something available that's here right now in this season. And I believe we're asking God for clarity so that we can come into a moment where we can see breakthrough and overcome in the areas where we failed at in the past. Church, I just believe something good's about to happen. Something good's about to happen. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for the softness that's in the room right now your presence that's here. Lord, for the openness that's here. God, I just ask that, that, Lord, we would just begin to turn our affections towards you in a powerful way. Lord, not focusing on the circumstance or the location or the moment or the person of revisitation. But, Lord, begin to think, but to shift our hearts and to think, about who you want to be for us as a father that we've never known you to be as we pursue overcoming like we've never overcome before. As a father, I say it's time to be strong and courageous and know that you're never going to be alone and that just as the Lord was with Moses or those that have gone before you, that so shall he be with you. And you will possess the land. In this season, you will possess. In this season, you will overcome. There's some of you that are consciously trying to do something again. Some of you are consciously bringing out old prophetic words that you thought were dead. Some of you had just stopped even thinking about things five years ago. And I really believe the word of the Lord is that it's time to overcome in the places that we didn't overcome in our past. For some of you, there's some of you in the room that have just like, uh, I've literally just, there's things that are in marriages that are so deep that have just been like washed over that need to be revisited. Because there's a limited capacity in marriage that you are encountering right now. 
that your mate may or may not even know about. I feel like there's even like um, just sexual purity that God's willing to bring right now. And um, I just feel like there's some people who uh, maybe don't engage their, their sexual appetite because they're scared of how they'll manage it, whether married or single. Some of you are concerned that you'll betray your covenant. Some people have just lies embedded in there. And I just really believe the Lord's going to just give you the grace to revisit these things and get breakthrough on it. Thank you, Lord. I feel like just some of you just decided to deal with, um, you know, physical healing, um, the lack thereof, and, and, and a place in your life or for a loved one or for a friend. And I believe this is going to be the year where we gain clarity on, on what it is that God wants to do in that situation. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you right now for the courage, Lord, to revisit right now in Jesus' mighty name. That, Lord, we begin to be people who would not step back, but that, Lord, we would engage our hearts and that we would look that Philistine giant in the face and say, who do you think you are that you can defy my God? You've come to me with a sword, but I've come to you with the spirit. It's time to be equipped. It's time to be prepared. It's time to be positioned. It's time to overcome, church. <laughs> it's time to overcome. It's time to engage. It's not time to run away. It's not time to give the report. The giants are still here. Forty years later, they're still here. That is true. But this time, we're going to overcome. Can I get a big amen? This time, we're going to know who we are. Can I get a big amen? This time, we're going to let our Father be for us, who we didn't allow him to be last time. Can I get a big amen? This time, we're going to come in as children, come on, that are full of curiosity, excitement, faith, trust, and wonder, short memories, and full of persistence. God, I just release courage right now in the room to know that it's about what you want to do for us when we say yes to the process for what you want to do for us. God, I thank you right now, Lord, for the childlikeness that is in the room. Lord, full of wonder, full of faith, full of curiosity, God. As we go back and we say, this time I'm going to apprehend the promises. This time I'm going to make the decision that I wasn't willing to make before. This time I'm going to incorporate these people in my life. This time I'm going to be on time. This time I'm going to see as God sees. Can I get a big amen? This time, the time is now. The time is ready, I am ready to say yes to you, God. I receive your courage. I receive your strength. Father, we just receive it, Father, and, 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 and multiplied value right now in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, to know that this is the year not to back down, but to get five stones out of, out of the brook. Lord, this is not the year to put on more armor. <laughs> Lord, this is not the year to become more defensive. This is not the year to sit in the back lines. Lord, this is not the year just to let status quo lead us. This is the year to overcome in Jesus' mighty name. And so I release clarity right now now, Lord, to know that we're not going back to the wilderness. We're defeating the wilderness. We're not going back to brokenness. We're stepping into wholeness. We're not going back into, into, into low self-worth. We're going into a victorious mindset in Jesus' mighty name. We're not going back to orphan uh, mentalities. We're going into full adoption. Come on, somebody. We're not going back. We're not going back. We're not going back. But we are going to overcome in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just grab the hand or the shoulder of the person next to you. Come on, just begin to pray and declare a new season of overcoming. You do not have to be afraid. Do not be afraid. Come on, for he has overcome the world. You are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. We just say yes right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, we just speak to hopelessness. We say go in Jesus' name. Come on, we speak to catastrophizing. We say go in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, we say no to shame in Jesus' mighty name. We break it off through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 